Now, today we're starting a series entitled, or continuing a series entitled, Defining Choices. Everybody say, Defining Choices. Say it again. Say, Defining Choices. So we know that our choices matter. And in 2017, I've had this message in my heart for the last couple of months, just thinking, God, we know choices matter. Are there certain choices that if I will make will have a great impact in my life? And I believe there are. And so we're going to talk about four defining choices that we, if we'll make, will change 2017 for the better. It will allow us to move forward in the way that God wants us to move forward in our life. Choices are profound. That every choice that you make, every decision that you make, we know that they impact our life. You are today the sum total of the choices you made yesterday. You will be tomorrow the sum total of the choices that you make today. And so we've got to examine some of the key choices that we make in our life so that our lives are lived out the way God called us to live them out. Last week, we talked about purpose over popularity. If you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and watch the podcast, listen to the podcast. It really was a defining moment for many people. God, I'm going to live for purpose more than trying to be popular, more than trying to please people. Today, what we're going to talk about is choosing surrender over control. God, I choose surrender over control. Now, here's a question. How many like to be in control? Raise your hand. Don't be, don't be afraid. How, how many think you might be a control freak? A couple of you brave enough. How, how many think, let me ask you, how many think your spouse is a control freak? Let, let me ask, if you were trying to raise their hand at any time, you may be the one that's the control freak. The point is you're trying to control things. Like, you're a control freak. No. We, we, in our lives, we want to control areas of our life. It's in the nature of all of us. Maybe it's in your work, and you, you say at work, it's my way or the highway, but you're going to do it the way I want it. You try to control it. Maybe, maybe you're the one that says, if, if I want it done right, I'm going to do it myself. Well, what is that? That is control in that area. You're saying, listen, I've got to have it my way. Maybe it's your home. Any control freaks in the home? How many ever vacuum? Like you thought the goal was just to vacuum the floor. No, the goal is to vacuum the floor with straight lines. Like I thought it was to get all the stuff out. No, no, no. Those lines have got to be straight, baby. Why? Because that's excellent. Is it excellent or is it control? See, you thought the goal was to cut the grass and just get the grass cut. No, no. How many men? That line's got to be straight. Like, we, we do it right. And, and so there's these areas where we try to control it. Maybe it's people. You try to control the way people respond. And you try to manipulate the situation. You try to manipulate them to do it the way you want them to do it. Basically, this is what I know. Here's the warning. When you're trying to control something that's not yours to control, you've got a bigger problem in your life. Why? Because you begin to operate in the place of God. You're trying to be like God in that situation when you have no business to control everything. God, what area in my life am I trying to control that I shouldn't be controlling? One of the most quoted and most popular scriptures, which I think is one of the hardest scriptures for us as Christians, is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Most of you already know it if you've been a Christian for any amount of time. And it goes like this, trust in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? That means surrender. I, I, God, I'm going to surrender what? 
with all your heart in every area. God, I'm going to trust in you with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. But in all my ways, I love what it says, I'm going to submit. Everybody say submit. I'm going to submit to him. And he's going to make my path straight. See, God wants us to trust him. God wants us to, to put our faith in him, that he wants us to submit to him. And, and, and yet the problem for us is that we want to be in control of my life. God, I, I've got all these things in my life. I want to be in control. And the more you try to control, then the more you're afraid of losing control. And the more you're afraid of losing the control, the more you try to control. And what we see in our lives is this vicious cycle of trying to control areas in our life that ultimately we're not called to control in our life. We're called to surrender areas of our life to God. God, I choose surrender over control this year. I'm going to relinquish some areas in my life that I've been holding on to real tight. God, I've been trying to keep it all to myself. Like, I don't want my world messed up, so God, I'm going to... But, but this year, I'm going to let you mess my world up. I mean, no, God's mess up in our world of what we perceive will produce way better results than our control. God, you understand. You love me. You see the future where I don't, and I choose to trust you. I choose to surrender the control of my life. Look at this place where control's gone bad. It's Genesis chapter 16, verse 1 through 4. And it's the story of Abram and Sarah, which we would later know as Abraham and Sarah. God tells Abraham that I'm going to make you a father of a great nation and that Sarah's going to give birth to a son and that son would be the promise and from him these descendants would come that would number more than the sands of the sea. And so they have a promise for God in their life. And when you look at what happens is 10 years later, after God promises Abraham a son through Sarah, we see that God still hasn't answered his promise. How many of you have ever thought, God, you're a little bit slow? God, you said something. I mean, it was last week. I don't understand why I can't get it today. And, and here we have a promise that God gives, and it's 10 years later. Look at what happens we see now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Got quiet. Now, I know that sounds a little funny, but, but back then, if, if a wife was barren, she would typically give her maidservant to her husband to have some sort of offspring to continue down the legacy of her husband. The problem is that's not what God's promise was to Abram. To everybody else, it was customary. To everybody else, it was normal. It was natural. But God didn't say, I would do it through your maidservant. He said, I'm going to do it through your wife, Sarah. And so they begin to take control and decide, God, I'm not going to do it your way. You, you must have forgotten about us. So she gives him her slave. And perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to do what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. So now we have this, what looks like a promise, but it was done in the natural. The challenge is this one decision has birthed chaos throughout the centuries. Hagar would give birth to Ishmael, and yes, later God would give birth or have Sarah give birth to Isaac. The problem is this, Ishmael would give birth to 12 sons. And they would call them the 12 princes, which we now know out of the nation of Palestine has been risen from the descendants of Ishmael. 
And then Sarah would give birth to Isaac, who would then have his wife give birth to the 12 patriarchs that would build the Jewish nation of Israel. And to this day, we see the turmoil, the Palestinians and Israel, that they are constantly in war. And did you know that Muhammad actually comes through, the prophet Muhammad comes through the lineage of Ishmael. And that Jesus came through the the lineage of Isaac. And so one was birthed out of the promise and the other was birthed out of the flesh. Here's my thing for us. Where in our life are we birthing Ishmael's instead of Isaac's? Where in our life have we said, hey God, listen, I know you promised this. You said we could do this and I believe you spoke this to me. And and God has been slow to what it seems to you thought it was going to be a week or two weeks. Now it's a year, two years, three years, five years. And so the problem, we've got to be careful. Listen, I'm not going to do it in my own flesh. Why? Because when I do, it makes a mess. God, I'm going to relinquish that control and I'm going to trust you. Some things are not yours to control. You just have to trust God. Maybe you're, right now, you're single girls, all the single ladies. Oh, is that a song? (laughs) So you're like, oh yeah, come on. God, you said I would have a godly man and, and, and you've been single for a little while. You, You got saved and God's touched your life. But now you say, God, I'm getting a little bit older. My clock is ticking, and it's been ticking for a while, and you know that God's got a godly man for you, and that there's someone that he has set up specifically for you, and yet you, you feel like it's been too long, you've waited, it, it, it's time, too much time has passed. And so where you wouldn't have settled for someone that doesn't believe like you, now you begin to compromise, start dating someone who is acceptable. Now we do missions dating. Any, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, God, I'm going to bring them to church. They're going to get saved. Yeah, that's good. But once you get, get him saved, if it was just for you, how many know it don't last? That, God, I, I don't have to go do missions dating. I'm going to find a man while I'm serving you in the church, while I'm worshiping you in the church. I'm going to look and say, oh, God, you, woo, you're going to do it for me here in the church. Don't get out of, of God's order and say, man, God, you're not doing it quick enough. No, no, you got to trust God even in those dating relationships. Maybe it's in your finances. And you say, God, I, I'm, I'm going to put you first, but God, I'm going to do it after my, my bills are paid off. God, I'm going to do it last. And, you know, I'm not really sure. And you say, God, I'm going to control this. No, no, God wants us to put him first in our finances all the time. Why? Because it makes us put our trust in him. God, we surrender the control of what we want to control in and of ourselves. Maybe it's work. And you know, everybody else at your job plays politics. And everybody else, they, they manipulate, they control, they, they make other people look bad so they can get the promotion. You say, God, I, I'm going to do it just like everybody else because you ain't moving on my behalf. You got to be careful. It's a trap. Maybe it's your spouse. They're not doing it the way you want it or what you want. And so you begin to try to manipulate. You try to say, I'm going to get you to do what I want. I'm not going to give you this until you do that. And and then it becomes this, this struggle of control, realizing and knowing that in my own strength, it will make a mess. God, I give you control. Maybe it's your kids. You're the helicopter parent. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're not going to let your parent, your kids fail. They come home with homework. They know they ain't doing that homework. They set it on the table, say, Mom, I don't understand. And before long, you're doing all the homework. All my teachers say, I know that's what's happening because they ain't that smart. (laughs) You're doing all the homework. You don't want them to fail. You want them to play in sports that doesn't keep score. 
You're the kind of parent, you know, you put a helmet on for them to go check the mail. You're like, no, 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 I'm not going to let them fail. No, no, what you're doing is you're trying to control that child instead of saying, God, I surrender. I'm going to love you enough to let you fail. I'm going to love you enough to let you go through struggles. I'm going to love you enough to let you not have everything handed to you on a silver platter. That I'm going to love you enough to surrender the control of this situation to God. So this is what I would encourage you this morning. Why don't you do this? Name what it is that you're trying to control. What is it in your life that I'm trying to control? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grown kids. Like I'm going to make them make the right decisions. Maybe it's your spouse or the coworkers or financial security. Let 2017 be the year that we say, God, I'm going to surrender the control. I'm going to give you control over every one of these areas in my life. And this morning I want to talk about three questions. Just three questions that will help us to surrender over control. The first one is this. Is it worth my concern? Is it worth my concern? Whatever the situation is, see, there's a lot of things that we're concerned about, but there's also a lot of things that are not worth our concern. There's things that really you shouldn't be concerned. You ought to pick your battles. I'm not going to be concerned about that. I'm going to say, listen, I, that's not really something I should control and get upset about. I mean, how, how many ladies in the house, and I, I, I'm speaking from experience, I'm not a lady, but in the house and towels. Mm -hmm. You got the trifold or you got the bifold. You know what I'm talking about. You got your kids doing the chores and they just, man, we, we ought to just be happy they got it folded. They're only three years old, but yet, no, we come in, that's got to be trifolded. It's got to be done just right. It needs to be stacked right here in this closet. I mean, so what we got to say, is it really worth our concern? What's the real value here, that they're folding them or that it's perfect? I mean, the value is, hey, they're just, they're folding these towels. What about toilet paper, all the married people? Over, under. That's all I'm going to say. Over, under. You're single, you'll get it one day. Like, does it come up on top or does it go? We ought to just be happy there's toilet paper. Like, thank God there's toilet paper and I'm not stuck. Right? I mean, is it really worth our concern? Maybe, maybe it's in the kitchen and I, I find myself, we'll, we'll cook and I, every time we cook, it's like a tornado has flown through my kitchen. And so I'm like, we got to sweep, like we're eating and I'm trying to sweep up all the crumbs. I, I got to ask myself, is it really, like I have tile, it's going to be okay. Like we can mop, we can sweep and maybe, maybe it's your kid's outfit. I, I mean, you know, your kid comes up, mom, I'm ready. And it is mixed matched. It doesn't match. It's all raggedy. And you get upset. You're like, I'm not about to let you walk out to play in the mud in something that doesn't match. <laughs> you got to look good when you're in the mud. Maybe it's that stain that's on their shirt. And so we, we make them feel less in because why couldn't you see that stain? Can I promise you that mismatched outfit, that stain is not going to keep them out of college. Like, like, so we got to just go back to this thing. Like, is it really worth my concern? Is it really something that I need to stress myself out over? I don't know about you, but I've got in my house, Phyllis and I bought a house before we launched a church. It's a nice house and, you know, we, we, we love it. You know, it's a couple thousand square feet and I, 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 it's nice. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful and 
I, I'm just thankful we live in it. And if you're a man, you're, you understand what I'm saying. I only own 60 by 24 inches in that house. And it's my desk in my office. All the, all the single people, you may not understand, but none of the rest of the house belongs to me. It's my four kids, it's my wife, and I don't even try. I used to try to say, hey, can we do this? I've just learned, listen, just, I, just, I just want this desk. Like right here, it's, in my, it's, it's like my office, right? It's my office. Don't put anything on it. And lo and behold, every single night when I get home, it's not clean. Now, I clean it before I go to bed and go to work, but at nights, by the time I get home from school or from work, at school, work, I'm telling you, there is the Incredible Hulk is on there, sunglasses. I don't know why they put their shoes on my desk. They, they have all their artwork, their crayon, and any kind of mix match stuff. It is all right there on top of my desk. And, and part of my frustration is, listen, I just need one spot, just one spot. Please don't touch it. Let me just have this one place. And what I began to realize, I'm about to be 40 this month. Steve and I turned 40 in a couple of weeks and super excited. And so what I'm realizing is this, is that the thing that drives me crazy about my kids is the thing I'm going to miss about them. I mean, Caden is 10 years old. I mean, just even this week, I, I look, he's almost taller than me, and the parents have got grown kids. You know, those things that drove you crazy, those handprints on the windows, all the things that you used to be a freak about, you got to control, those are the very things that you're going to miss when they're out your house. So my question is, how did you make them feel while they were there with you? And that's what I've been trying to go for now. You know, it's, oh, this is awesome, great. I moved my 60 by 24 to like 24 inches. That's mine. That's mine. And, and, I, and I love all the colors and the papers and all the things. I'm just learning, God, is it really worth my concern or is it something that I'm just trying to control? Here's what you need to know. When you try to control everything, you enjoy nothing. Try to control everything. It takes the joy out of everything that you do. It's the first question. Is it worth my concern? Second question, is it mine to control? Is it mine to control? You've got to ask the question, is this for me to control? If it is, listen, you've got to do something about it. You need to know this, that surrendering control is not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility. Surrendering control, it's not the same thing as relinquishing responsibility. There are some things that God just won't do for you. You got to have the responsibility yourself. You got to do something yourself. Listen, if you're tight financially, you got to stop spending money. Right? I mean, if you're tight financially, how I many know you need to set a budget? You're never going to be able to, to, to take advantage of all the opportunities God gives you until you know how you spent your money. And then, hey, listen, you're tied financially. You've got to tithe. Why? Because that's God's principle. I mean, listen, we don't pass offering plates in buckets, but don't be misguided in thinking that we don't understand the value of tithes. We just choose to do it a different way. But we know this, that if I want to be blessed, I've got to put God first. And as I put God first in my tithes, what that says is, God, this first 10% goes to you. I surrender control. I trust you for the rest. And what we know then is God's blessings just flow into our lives. It's just what happens. So you've got to take steps. You say, listen, I'm going to budget. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to spend wisely. I'm going to invest wisely. There are things that you have to do, but ultimately you've got to say, God, I just surrender the control. I'm going to do what I can, and I'm going to trust you with the rest. Listen, if your marriage is struggling, you can pray all day long, but how many know you need to go and spend time together? 
You got to work it out. Sometimes you got to get out of the prayer closet and you got to go invest in your spouse. You might need some counseling. Hey, baby, I'm in counseling right now. Got quiet. I'm a little cray cray. I just tell you this, I need counseling. I need someone to help me see my life at a different level from angles that I haven't seen in the past. So you gotta say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. Do you know Phyllis and I go to counseling? There's moments in our life, I wanna free you, where we get stuck and we're pastors. There is no perfect marriage, but I'll tell you this, you've gotta make sure that you do your part. How much time are we spending together? How many tools are we trying to, to work on so that our marriage is better? Do my part and then ultimately, God, I trust you with the rest. God, I'm gonna give you the control of that area. Maybe it's your kids that you're worried about. Listen, you can pray for them all day long, but you ultimately have to instill character and values in them as well. You've got to spend time with your kids. You've got to make them a priority. So, God, I'm going to give you control, but I'm not going to relinquish my responsibility in this. A couple of months ago, I took my boys hunting for the very first time, and it was a blast. We went into Austin. I've got a friend that's got some property, and a couple of weeks earlier, they shot some big bucks. And any hunters, you know, you're like, man, he was sending me pictures, said, man, this is the biggest buck we've ever shot here. And he said, there's more. You just buck fever. You're like, what? There's more. He said, oh, there's more. We've been seeing them every day. And I said, man, I'm going to bring my kids out there. And he said, yeah, absolutely. And so we brought the whole family to Austin and Caden and Carson. And we got our guns and we're going out to the deer blinds and saying, hey, guys, now listen, we go out. You got to be quiet. How many men know you got to be quiet? Ladies, if you don't know, you got to be quiet. If you ever go with a man, don't talk. Like support them through silence. (laughs) Some marital counseling right there. It's free. <laughs> and so I'm telling my boys, hey, listen, don't, don't talk. You got to be quiet. And Carson's first time. And, you know, Caden's been. And so he's like, shh. By the end of the, 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 the time we're in the deer stand, the storm's passing by. And we're thinking, man, where are the deer? And they're talking. I'm like, shh, shh. I felt like the holy shusher. Shh, I just kept shushing them. And, and what I realized was this. I kept shushing them so much, the joy was leaving out of the experience. So then I had to ask my question, is the goal to kill a deer, is the goal to create a great memory? Right? I mean, do we want a big trophy on the wall or do you want your kids to never forget how great you made them feel? And so I'm wrestling with this because I really want the trophy. <laughs> just being honest. Just, can I just be real? And so Carson and... Caden and everybody were, were looking, and I thought, man, I just want to make memories. And so it's been a couple of hours in. The sun is rising, and there was a wasp in the blind that came in the deer blind, and there was a can of wasp spray right here. And I thought I'd say, you know, I'd do something funny, even if it didn't kill anything. I, I said, shh. And I'm pointing over to the wasp, and they're like, what is it? So I grabbed the can, and I shot the wasp with this can of bug spray. And the wasp falls down. And they're like, what are you doing? And I, I said, we got one. <laughs> we got one. And so I just told them right here in this one, we got one. They said, got one what? Got that wasp. And we picked it up and I said, son, we're going to have to mount this wasp. <laughs> so we didn't mount it, but we giggled and giggled and laughed. And they said, oh, tell mama we got something. I said, all right, tell her we got something. We got something. 
We just giggled and laughed. My friend came later, and we, we just, the hunt was over. How many know the hunt's over? Once boys start giggling. So we just pulled out shotguns and got back to the hotel, and mom's like, you got something? Oh, we got something. What'd you get? And the boys both out, we got a wasp. And it was just an amazing, we still talk about that wasp today. Every week, there's not a week that doesn't go by that we don't talk about it. Why? Because we're raising kids. We're investing in it. See, I couldn't control. So I couldn't control the deer. God, would, you, but, but what I am going to do is I'm going to control the experience that they have. God, I want you to help me to raise these kids to be your kids. So what is it that you can control? Then let God do the rest. And that's really the third question. Is it for God alone? Is it for God alone? See, some things you control. The rest you say, God, it's all you. What area in my life have I been trying to control? See, faith is having the courage to let God have the control. That's really what faith is. God, I'm going to let you have the control of this life. And, and there's no greater story that's found except in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. And it's the story of the three Hebrew boys that were in slavery in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar is the king, and he tells them, he says, hey, listen, I want you to bow down to this idol. We're going to blow the trumpet, and when we do, I want you to bow down and worship our God. I don't care if you worship any other gods, but you're going to bow down to this God when the trumpet blows. And look at what these young men said. Their response really is, is pretty amazing. It's like, God, I'm going to do what I can do, but then you're going to do what you can do. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. So that's a faith statement. How many know that's a faith statement? How many know that's a faith statement? So you look at this. They're about to die. The fiery furnace is is burning, they're looking at it, and their statement is, God, you can deliver us. Telling that sickness, my God is a healer. Telling your situation in your marriage, my God is a restorer. Talking to your kids, that my God is the one that gives us courage and strength. So you got to talk to your problems. Sometimes you think, I, I, you know, God's just going to do it. No, you got to state the fact of God's view. Allow God's view to be your view. Get out of your problem and say, God, I'm going to state your view of this situation. But I love what he says. Look at this, but. Everybody say but. Say it again, say but. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you've set up. Think about that. Their response is, God, I trust you. This is for you alone. God, I, I can control some things, I can do some things, but God, this is a situation that I realize it's yours alone, that there's nothing I can do, and Lord, I trust you. If you come through for me on this side of heaven, it'll be a testimony, but even if you don't, you are still God. Look how Paul said it. He's in prison. Look at what he says, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Some of you, these 21 days of prayer is your prayer and petition. You're asking God to move in a situation in your life. This is where you say, God, I'm praying and I'm petitioning. I'm going to give thanksgiving. And then look at what it says. Present your request to God. Prayer should never be your last resort. It should always be your first response. 
Not like, oh, there's nothing else. We've tried everything else. Now let's pray. No, it ought to be, hey, first before we do anything else, God, I'm going to pray. Why? Because you are the God of deliverance. And then the peace of God, look at what it says. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what do you do when it's something you can't control? You got to present it to God. You say, God, I I give this to you. It's yours alone to control. I'm not going to be anxious. Listen, you cannot change your spouse, but how many know God can change your spouse? You cannot change your kids, but how many know God can change your kids? You cannot physically heal your body, but how many know that God can heal your body? Yes, let doctors do all that they can do, but I'm here to tell you at some point you got to say, God, I give this over to you. And this morning I came to tell you, give control of whatever you're holding on to back to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Go back to this last scripture as we close. Trust in the Lord. Surrender. Just surrender. God, I'm going to surrender with all of my heart. I'm not going to lean in my own understanding. In all my ways I submit to you and you make my path straight. Let 2017 be the year that God makes your path straight. How? Because you chose surrender over control. God, I give every area of my life to you.